0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the When It Worked podcast. You're with your host, Julian Lee And today I'm joined by the very energetic Richard Black from Costa Rica. Welcome to the show, Richard.
1: So great to be here today. Thank you so much.
0: Now, Richard is, has a lot of experience in, I guess, from our perspective, offshore call centers. And now there are a lot of businesses out there that need to create leads, set appointments and even uh, be able to uh, connect with a live sales agent, send people over who are warm leads so that your own salespeople can close them. And um, it can be quite a costly approach really when you you consider all the wages. So Richard has um, had a lot of success and experience in another market and you're catering pretty much exclusively to the United States from Costa Rica, is that right?
1: For the majority, I do work with a little bit of Canada. I've worked a oh. touch in Europe, but most likely it's the proxemics to the United States and the fact that we're attuned to the North American market it makes it much more easier for my agents here, Julian. Excellent, and um, you
0: know, the. What are some of the sort of cost savings that you see, um, I guess, for yourself and also for your customers by operating out of Costa Rica?
1: Well, that's a wonderful question. We are considered near shore because of our distance to the United States. The agents that we have here are bilingual, Spanish and English, which in the United States, Spanish could be the most spoken language in the next 10 years. And also in regards to our cost savings, You can get a turnkey agent here for salary, benefits, HR, telecom, and overhead for the same price you would be paying an hourly agent in the United States. Now, Julie, most of the agents in the States believe that call center and telemarketing jobs are transitional, or they look down on it. I don't know why many people earn a living making and receiving calls. But in Costa Rica, they find a second language stimulating. And so all they're constantly doing is increasing their English and their marketability. And so by making these calls into the United States, they really find it fascinating. And so what we try to do is to cultivate and grow their second language skills by expanding their vocabulary, by explaining certain genres that we have, and then also incorporating certain soft skills that some people claim that we've lost today because most people are chatting or sending emails. I prefer to speak with somebody. I think there's a much better chance to retain that client, to get a referral, possibly an upsell. And Julie, an even worst case scenario of someone is not doing business with you, maybe through an exit interview, they can tell you ways in which you could improve or what your competition did in order to earn their business. So I do believe in making and receiving calls compared to omni-channel non-voice support
0: absolutely and i think a lot of people get caught up in you know like you said messaging online everything's got to be online um Mm -hmm. in my experience in sales nothing beats a phone call and um you you get involved with the right person it could turn into a massive uh, business relationship and, um, and and nothing beats it. And I don't think anything ever will beat it, but I think sometimes we're not thinking about it and maybe we should start looking at it again, Richard.
1: Julian, my good friend, the best thing about making an outbound call to a business is a positive escalation. Let's just say, hypothetically, I'm trying to get in touch with you, but there's an individual that will be answering and filtering this call prior to transfer. What I like to do is to find out the plethora of information about your company. We could find about anniversaries or promotions or the company culture. But this is the thing, this individual that assisted me prior to transferring to you, I will A, let them know that they were amazing, and I'm going to talk about them. So when I do get transferred, I'm going to let you know that you have the most amazing people at your organization. I'll do it verbally. But then at the end of the call, I will write you something as a follow-up, and mention this individual as well in writing. So the Richard Circle comes where if I call your company back, first, they're going to know me. They're going to thank me so much for talking about them to the boss and adding to my momentum. They cannot wait to transfer the call to you and you, my friend. You're going to see the relationship I have with your company prior to any sort of contracts. So I think you might take our good faith and our intentions much more into consideration compared to somebody just trying to angle their way in there for a sale with
0: you, Julian. Absolutely. And that's the law of reciprocation, which is one of um, Cialdini's principles of persuasion, uh, which Richard uh, obviously knows very well. Now, um, there's a couple of different ways for businesses to do this. We talked about appointment setting um, and just filling up your pipeline. That's one option. Uh, Richard also does live transfers uh, to, to to people, which I think is fantastic. So would that require a little bit of um, obviously training and the company would need to have some salespeople on their phone or on skype ready to take these calls obviously is that how that works
1: absolutely it's been one of our biggest challenges is that somebody is there to answer the call if we're just increasing their volume i prefer to do a warm transfer compared to a cold transfer i'm not going to put you on hold and tell you to wait until someone picks up mm. I'll be holding your hand and I'll be on the line waiting with you until Julian is ready to pick up the call. There are certain things that we can see in regards to the queue on your end to see if you're backed up, if there's anybody available. A lot of the times you'll be using chat with somebody, letting them know you have somebody on the line. Are you available? There are online calendars that you can see that if there are certain individuals that are ready during that time, that's where you'd be transferring the call. And worst case scenario, if everybody's busy, everyone's closing, and you need to stay on the phone for a couple minutes with that individual, that's an advantage. You can get more information out, solidify the relationship, and just have a really good time and lessen any sort of pressures before the transferred call. But definitely strike where the iron is hot. But once again, some people don't want to be transferred. So there's nothing wrong about asking them at their convenience when would be an excellent time for us to follow up with them because Julian there are certain protocols and some people might want to check your credentials prior to doing any sort of business with you so I respect any sort of decisions that they make just as long from an educated point of view they make a decision to move forward with us
0: yeah this sounds very uh, good and a lot more professional than other call centers that I've used in the Philippines uh, where um, you you have an understanding yourself as a CEO of sales process and having relationships with the prospects and not not just sending them over cold all of that stuff so um, i think that is quite appealing for people that are in sales type industries and um Mm. so the other question i had for you richard um if there's say a solopreneur and and they are thinking i'm going to invest in this um do they need to produce a a phone list uh, before they do that in,
1: in regards to,
0: to um, do you have, um, I mean, for somebody who has no idea of, of, of how to start, I mean, do they need to. Um,
1: start a call center or just any no, sort no. of business in general?
0: No, they want to um, get some leads happening for themselves. Do they need to have their own list of phone numbers to provide you with, or do you have any sort of ability to provide a phone list?
1: Uh, my, my clients supply me with the list and and there's something in the United States, the DNC, which is the do not call list. So legally they have to have this list scrubbed for me because my company is inscribed in the United States. So I do follow all us business and banking laws. They in turn hire my Costa Rican corporation, which follows all the Costa Rican labor laws. So as much as somebody might want to use me as their face man or their fall guy, there's absolutely no way that we're going to compromise our ethics, values, and morals to make phone calls for you. I have to make sure everything checks out. And we're also in a very strict Catholic country. Julian, these agents have to go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. So as much as I want to fulfill the needs of the client, it's much more important to show empathy, dignity, and allowing the agents to feel good about themselves and the job that they're doing.
0: Absolutely, and the last thing you want is to uh, have one of your clients getting in trouble in the media for phone calls uh, because somebody outsourcing them is not following the do not call list. Much better to do it all above board for the long term. Right. Yeah, and um, uh, Richard, and one thing you did mention was that um, you know the people that you have really enjoy working there, and, and you've got sort of some really cool stuff first thing is the um, beautiful restored Mercedes. How do you use that in your business?
1: Well, just like my favorite show in the 1980s, Remington Steel, I always felt like you needed to pick your clients up at the airport in style. So what I did was I didn't get a party limousine. You know, it was more of a 1984 300d Mercedes Lang. It was more of like a luxury hotel ambassador sort of limousine. So I ripped out the seats in the middle that you could flip forward, put a stand bar in there, cleaned her up a bunch. Now I got an excellent, smooth ride that goes all over the country. And so, as I mentioned before, picking up family, friends, and especially clients at the airport like that, it's an excellent way when you're taking them to the hotel to be able to discuss the future plans of growing with us at the call center. So it really starts to draw
0: yeah it, it's wonderful and uh the other thing you've got going on is um you've got um like a gaming center for the employees and you've you've spent a bit of money making sure that they are having fun and they're able to talk with each other tell us how that came about
1: so glad you asked and it is totally my favorite question since i grew up in the 70s and 80s i loved arcades and unless you were a really good gamer your five bucks would not last you very long And so down here, what I've done is I go treasure hunting and one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I'm more than willing to drive a couple of hours to pick up a 1961 Ricola Regis and restore her. So since I have the space and my wife allows me to buy this stuff, I currently have 13 pinball machines, six jukeboxes, a bunch of retro arcade machines and an air hockey table. And so I've created a neutral environment through gamification. These agents can let off steam. They can recharge their batteries. They can meet people from other departments. And they also hang out with El Jefe. And it's an excellent place for us to be able to build that sort of culture where people become friends and they have a lot of fun. So instead of being on the phone for Instagram, why go outside and smoke a cigarette or sit by yourself at lunch? Go and hang out at the arcade and have an excellent time. And so for me, gamification, and especially now that I have the room for it, I plan on expanding it. So maybe when we speak next year, you'll be hearing about all the different machines I have. And and they're mostly older than the agents that work here. They, They can play their Xbox and their PlayStation, but there's nothing like a classic pinball machine. And just like Elton John's Pinball Wizard, they can really feel the flippers and the bumpers and the lights and really become one with the machine because they say, hey, Jefe, I played virtual pinball on the internet. Well, Julian, you and I both know there's a lot of things that are live that are 10 times better than on the Internet, and one of them is gaming. And so I just really try to encourage them to see what was my passion and what got me to buy these machines and restore them. So,
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it's so important because um, it can be a very grueling job for people uh, making phone calls. And if you've got somebody that is uh, looking out for the people allowing them to um, be treated as humans, the clients are gonna get better results because happy people on the phone is what you want after all, isn't it? Oh, absolutely.
1: And you know, this is not a job, this is a career. And call centers pay more than most vocations in Costa Rica. So I, I do have people here with law degrees and engineering degrees because it's much more lucrative. But as I mentioned before, there's nothing better than someone being an amazing speaker Because what happens then is that your potential is limitless. You're able to represent yourself properly. You can speak for others. And once again, your earnings potential is incredible. And so for me here, it's very important that I put into perspective that learning a second language, Julian, is 10 times harder than any sort of account that I'm going to put them on. So they should understand that they're more than capable that their structured discipline and especially their cognitive skills that they're gonna succeed. And so once again, it's very important for me to encourage them to continue their career.
0: And Richard, for people out there that are thinking sounds like a good idea, what's the, what's the onboarding process for people to have a chat to either you or one of your salespeople?
1: Well, they can call me directly and I'd be more than happy once again to walk through their scripts, their rebuttals, their metrics, their system. What they're going to find fascinating, Julian, about a call center is we have a quality control department. So instead of just reading your script and making phone calls, I have people actually listening to recordings and grading you on KPIs, which are key performance indicators. And so besides just going through the the numbers and seeing that you're qualifying somebody, you and I are focusing a lot more on the soft skills. We mentioned before positive escalations. Am I using your name? Am I doing clarification questions? Am I, once again, making sure to show active listening so you can reduce the talk time, increase conversion ratios? I'll give you a great example. When people are on the phone, and especially now because it's Zoom and people are working from home, there's a very good chance a dog could be barking in the background. And so a technique that I've encouraged my agents to use is the Me Too technique. I love dogs just like you, and I'm going to let you know I love your dog because it's barking and killing the call. But Julian, I'm going to ask a follow up question. I'm going to say, what's the dog's name? You're going to say Hutch. So I say, great. Hutch sounds really nice. Put her outside. And so when you come back to the call, really what we're anchoring now is we're going to talk about your dog for a little bit. And that's usually when you ask me my name again. And I'm going to use a buffer boomerang technique by saying, hey, Julian, that's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. So I always bring it back at you. And then you'll be name dropping me for the rest of the call. So I'm not being clever. But there are certain strategies in diplomacy that you can use on the phone to prolong a conversation. It's not manipulation, but what we're doing is reducing any sort of uh, conflicts and any sort of things where people could find offense. And so by being very careful in regards to your vocabulary, for an example, not using words like help, but more of assist guide and lend a hand, these are the sort of things that will keep a momentum and keep the tone positive.
0: Absolutely, so once again,
1: yeah. these are the soft skills that we do.
0: Definitely some skills. Um it's to
1: through a couple of
0: scenarios with Richard uh, and see if it's viable for you. Thanks for coming on. That was very interesting. And I think some people, um, it might be something they're going to consider looking at.
1: Absolutely. Once again, don't compromise your ethics, values and morals. You can always make a, a phone call in a certain way and don't press. Just allow them from an educated point of view to make a decision. So you and I will never force a hand or twist an arm. We'll make sure that everybody leaves with something on the table and make a perfect relationship.
0: Absolutely. It reminds me of one of my favourite books, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You can't browbeat people. You've got to uh, take a different tact altogether. 100% correct. And uh, thanks again, Richard. That was some great content and information for people. And uh, thanks for everyone for watching another episode of When It Worked. And I'll see you very soon when we do another one.